Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi, my name is Ed Howard and my favorite baseball player is Troy Tulowinski. Josiah Crumwick grounds back into the mound and Illinois turns a 1-6-3. Mm-hmm. Double play. Illinois holds on to win 7-5 to advance to the Little League World Series. Howard has blossomed into the best prospect at his position in the 2020 high school class. He's set to become the first Illinois high school position player to go in the first round since Jason Worth in 1997. The Oklahoma recruit has a high baseball IQ and knack for slowing the game down on both sides of the ball. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Welcome back in on 670 to score. It is Hit and Run, the Scores Baseball Show, Sunday mornings, 9 to noon, with me, Matt Spiegel. And very pleased to join our next guest, joining us on the Al Pamonte Ford Hotline. Al Pamonte Ford in Melrose Park. He is Ed Howard Sr., Mount Carmel High School, shortstop, and future MLB draftee. Ed, thanks for the time on a Sunday morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I thank you for having me on the show. So, um, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. My, my my pleasure. We heard a, a highlight there of Jackie Robinson West from 2014. That was so much fun to watch and live. I was captivated. A lot of the baseball country was, and obviously it got more complicated later when when Little League took the title away and all of that. But but the memories themselves of playing, of winning, of the crowds, of your teammates are they. Are they still right there for you, super clear and and in a good, enjoyable place for you? I hope they are, Ed. Yeah, those memories never go away. You know, I still remember that U.S. championship game like it was yesterday. You know, no matter what they do about, you know, taking the title out of the history books, it's always going to be there for me, you know, and the whole team, actually. So, like I said, it's always going to be. We always going to remember it. What, What made you guys so good together? Why do you think you guys functioned so well together as a team? Um... I think we all were just good players. We love the game. Um, we got along together. You know, we had fun. It was just kind of like going out there playing. I don't think anybody was, like, um, selfish, like, playing for themselves. It's more so all of us playing playing together, playing as one team, and we just enjoyed each other. We got, as long, we got along just as well on the field as off the field. So I think that really helped us, you know, when we got to that big stage, you know, playing in front of a lot of people and things like that. We just jailed so so well together. You know, we, I felt that. I felt that watching watching the games. Yeah, you guys were all good, but everybody was just out there doing whatever they had to do, and you guys were having so much fun. And you know what? Yeah. Big league ball clubs still function best when they play like that, Ed. It's the yeah. same thing. It, it's a game, you know? So it's like 
It, 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 it still, it still works like that. Um, when did you first dream of playing in the big leagues Ed Howard? When did you first think to yourself, man, that's something I want to do. Uh, it was always my dream since I was like seven years old and I started playing. That's what I, I always said. I wanted to grow up and play in the big leagues. You know, I never had like a, <laughs> another like dream job that I used to say. So it was always a goal <laughs> to play baseball my whole life. So that's, that's still a goal. Yeah, I, I was reading about you and in, in that great piece that James Fegan wrote on The Athletic a couple of weeks ago about how you were seven years old and Lou Collier, the, the former big leaguer, was a youth coach. Um, I think it still is. He, he, he grabbed you at, at seven years old. I think your father took you out there to work with him, right? And t- yeah. tell our listeners, because you're a shortstop and people talk about your footwork and, and, and just all the mechanics of how you play shortstop, that it's, it's so special right now as a senior in high school. But how did he train you before even footwork? He had you on your knees on the field, right? Yeah. Tell people about that. Tell people how that worked. Right. So I started with Coach Lou when I was around like seven years old. And um, my first position actually was center field. So when I grabbed with Lou, he moved me to shortstop, and we just kind of started training with it or with that. And um, like I, like you said, we started on our knees first, and he was just flipping me ground balls, and I was just working on my hands, you know, working on forehands, backhands, and things like that. And then as I got better at that, we um, we moved to doing like ladder work and footwork drills, and then uh, I just put it all together. Kind of that's that's just how we started with it, you know, foot, um, hands first, and then working on the feet, and then once you specialize in both of them and put them together, it, it can be special. It, it it makes so much sense. Um, I had never really thought about it, but you know, because the first thing you got to do, and I've got an eight-year-old, and it's a battle when I throw him ground balls, and I'm trying to tell him everything at the same time. You know, like like get yeah. your glove down, get your legs in the right place, like everything. No, to to simplify it yeah. like that. So yeah, it, it's it, yeah, that make that makes sense. And and you still what what's your schedule like these days, uh, Ed? I mean, and, and before we even talk about these days, let's talk about I don't know three weeks ago before the world changed <laughs> the way that it has. Right. Um, the last four or five years, you've been incredibly busy. Tell people what a typical day has been like for you with high school, with baseball, um, and just in general as you've trained and tried to be as good as you can be. Right. So during, during the school year, especially during like um, baseball season, we usually, starting off the year, we have our morning workouts um, up in Mount Carmel. Those start at 6 in the morning. So um, I'm about like 30 minutes away from Carmel. So I wake up around like 445 to um, get ready for that. Then I go do my morning workouts. I go to class. Um, and then I usually come home, do some homework, take a little nap. And then I go I go back up to my trainer at 730, and I do my own, like, personal lift. Um, depending on, like, the day, I'll lift some days. And then some days it'll just be, like, hitting in the cages or taking ground balls. And, and that's pretty much, like, an everyday thing. That's just kind of how I do it. And then, of course, like, the summertime, a lot of time I'm out, like, on a roll playing tournaments and showcases and things like that. So, um my life is pretty much baseball field. You know, I, I get like a, a few, a few months off throughout the year, but for the most part, it's just always on the go. And, and I was reading, you've enjoyed that though, right? Like why do you enjoy that level of work and that, that level of, uh, of concentration and, and, and obsession? What's satisfying about it? I mean, it, it's just fun to me. It's, it's nothing else I'd rather do. You know, right now during this quarantine, I'm at home just bored you know I'm missing it I wish I could be out there you know on the road playing in tournaments right now but um I don't know it's just it's just enjoyable and I know when I when I'm doing all those workouts and getting up early I'm only making myself better you know and um that's just gonna help me get some overall goal 
Yeah, and have, have you seen yourself getting better? Like, if, even just these past three or four years, as you've worked on it, you feel yourself getting better? I have. I have. I always feel myself getting better. Each each and every month, honestly, I can feel myself getting bigger, stronger, um, changing a lot mentally, too. So I'm always getting better. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you remember a, a moment at, at a field or in a park as, as you were growing up, Ed, when you thought, you know what, I think I might have a real shot to get to the big leagues. Like, have you allowed yourself to think about that, or are you still do you still work in a in a way that you're dreaming of it? Um, no, I definitely think about it. I, I stay motivated though, I keep working, but I definitely dream about it all the time and and see myself doing it. Um, I can't really point out a specific moment. I I would say mm-hmm. like um, maybe like two summers ago, like like playing summer ball, just, just, I, I kind of seen some of the things like I've done. And sometimes honestly, I shock myself and, and do certain things that I'd be like, like, wow, I made that play. Or I'll look at it on video and be like, all right, that does look smooth. Like, so, um, <laughs> I would say, I would say, I don't, I don't have a specific moment. I just kind of always felt like I could play in the big leagues. All right. So, so what's a play where you're like, damn, I just did that. What were you doing? Were you going deep into the hole? You're going up the middle, you're charging the ball. What were you doing? I feel like it's, it's always the run-throughs. That, um, those are tough plays, but I feel like when I watch them on video, it always looks kind of easy. But um, those, those are tough plays, though. A run-through? What do, what do you mean? What, uh, what do you mean a run-through? Yeah, like a ground ball, a slow ground ball, me charging the ball at shortstop, and I'm um, throwing on the run. The first thing. Got you. Got you. Yeah. And like, and and there is the uh, and you should like, wow, okay, I I got that in the bag now. It's good to know. Um, Ed, Ed Howard, the Mount Carmel shortstop, is with us. I want to play uh, this moment for people. It might be a little uh, tricky to hear the audio of, but we went back to find Barry Larkin, who was involved in the broadcast of the Jackie Robinson West games, and he gave you a nickname. This is this is a little bit of Barry Larkin from 2014. Ed Howard has been really good this year. I call him Silk simply because his footwork is handwork. You mentioned top spin. The ball gets to him quickly, but there's no panic in the young man. Silk. Now, first of all, Barry Larkin was about as smooth and graceful and beautiful a shortstop as I remember watching. I love watching elite, great baseball defenders in the infield. And Barry Larkin was amazing. So I have him call you Silk is pretty strong. Um, it, it, have, have you embraced that? You, you feel okay being Silk? Are you still Silk to anybody? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he called me that. You know, that meant a lot to me personally, especially me being so young and it coming from Barry Larkin, you know, Hall of Fame shortstop. So um, yeah. it's still it's still some people who call me Silk, um, not as much as like back then, but it's, it's a nickname that I always keep in the back of my mind. Um, cause when I'm always at shortstop, I just always want to remember, you know, it's about confidence. So I always want to remember that like, you know, I'm silk, you know, I, I can make plays, you know, just, just stay confident. So I just I always keep that nickname in the back of my, my mind. That's beautiful. What, what did it mean to you at the time? Like in terms of making, giving you confidence or just making you think, all right, I, I know what I'm doing here. That kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, like I said, it really didn't hit me until like maybe maybe a year or two after, um, as I kind of got older and realized, you know, who Barry Larkin was. Because at that time, I was young. I didn't, I didn't really know much. I just, um, you know, he was an announcer. Um, my parents had told me, you know, he was the Hall of Fame shortstop. But as I got older, I really started to look into him and um, watch him a lot. And so it just started to mean more to me as I got to know who he was. We heard, uh, we heard that intro as part of our little open we played for you, Ed, where your favorite player was Troy Tulowitzki. I know at some point 
it became Tim Anderson uh, of the White Sox, right? I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I know what I know what I think makes Tim Anderson cool. What do you think makes Tim Anderson cool? Um, I think it's just the way he um he goes about his business. You know, he's he's always himself. That's what I like the most about him. He's himself. He has fun. He has a lot of confidence. You know, I talked to him um, a few times, and he always just talked to me about, like, uh, my mentality as I'm playing a game, you know. Um, just kind of, like, doing doing you, you know, um, staying confident all the time. And um, I don't know. I think that's what I, I just like the most about him, just the way he goes about his business, like, off the field. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, that makes sense. I remember last year when, when the White Sox didn't get Manny Machado, and Tim Anderson was saying, so what? All right, that's my position anyway. That, that, that's what I do. I got it, you know? And just that, that, atti- that attitude carried through to the entire team, and they have a chip on their shoulders still that he is a big part of. You agree? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right on. Yeah. I, um, I know that when you did meet him, he gave you his phone number. He said he's going to keep tabs on you. What, what's that like? Does he keep tabs on you when you guys – yeah. yeah. what, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, we just talked, I think, two days ago. And it, it's just more so just checking up on each other, you know. Um, I asked him, you know, how he's doing. He asked me, you know, what's going on. And then he always gives me, like, a little advice. Just um, just talk to me about, you know, um, the situation I got coming up, you know, with the draft and my high school season. And um, he just kind of just gives me insight on his life and how he thinks about things in his mind, you know, because he's playing shortstop in the big leagues. I know that's a pretty stressful job for him. But, um. He just tells me how he goes about it, you know, how he can stay confident, how he doesn't worry about, you know, what others got to say about him. It's just kind of going out there and playing and um, doing it for himself, you know. Yeah, and it's it's and he's 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 got a very full full life, and he's very active in the community, working with youth guidance and the BAM Foundation, the Building a Man, um, and, and, and everything that he does. It's and it it seems like it's having an effect on a lot of people. I I wonder, Ed, um, young men like you, young black men, athletes, don't always choose baseball. Obviously, have you ever talked about that with your friends? Do any of your peers talk to you about about baseball, whether they like it or whether they don't, in conversation? Uh, yeah, it comes up a lot. Most of my most of my friends, you know, are baseball players, because um, that's just kind of who I'm around. But um, I know a lot of kids who, who didn't choose to play baseball, who went on to play, you know, like basketball and football and things like that. And honestly, it's just – it's really not common for a lot of black kids to play baseball because it's just how things are. But um, I think it's definitely changing. I know a lot of younger kids who, who are playing the game at, like, a young level and really love it. And I know they look up to guys like me, and I look up to guys like Tim Anderson. So it's kind of like a chain of – um, like a chain of, of people leading the way. So it's just – I, I feel like it's my duty to to keep um, setting an example for kids younger than me, you know, to keep playing this game. And um, I think it's definitely growing for African-Americans. Well, it, it's it's beautiful. I, right now, as you're talking about, I'm remembering guys like Tory Hunter having those conversations, like African-American players from a decade ago, from 20 years ago, whatever. And it's it's a thing about kind of paying it forward a little bit. What what do you yeah. think keeps kids? What do you think keeps kids from choosing it? Ed, is it is it slow to them? Do they think it's slow? I hear that. I, yeah, I, I think it's it's because it's slow. You know, it's outdoors. You don't get as much like attention. You know, like like the NBA star, NFL star. You know, you, you kind of play baseball. Um, I, I really don't know, honestly. I just I just think kids don't like it because it, it doesn't get as much attention as like NBA and basketball. 
And, um, yeah. you know, games might not be as packed as basketball games or football games. But at the end of the day, it, it's still a great game. And I think if kids played it more often, they, they would like it. What do you like about it? What do you like about baseball, Ed? Um, I, I like um, that it's a challenging sport, honestly. You know, you, it's a lot of failure in baseball. So when you do have success, it just feels so good. You know, it, it, you got to keep working. Um, it's a long process, you know, trying trying to be good and things like that. But um, like I said, just the failure part of it, it just makes the success that much better. Yeah, no, that makes that makes all the sense in the world. Um, the the connection to the White Sox for you and for Mount Carmel, I know that um, that Alec Thomas, who played at Mount Carmel, was a second round pick of the Diamondbacks in 2018. I know that you and Alec played together for a little while. Uh, and his dad, Alan Thomas, the White Sox director of conditioning, he consulted on your training regimen. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so how, uh, like, how much contact have you had, if any, with the White Sox as an organization along the way, other than uh, specific people like that? So, um, I've talked to the White Sox a little bit. Um, I went, I, I trained with Tim Anderson once. And uh, there's a, there a few White Sox guys in there watching. So um, they, mm-hmm. they've seen me all over the summer. Um, they've known me for for a long time since I was like a sophomore high school. They've kind of been watching me. So I feel like they've definitely seen me a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can never have enough uh, good athletic shortstops. People move positions. People bounce around quite a bit. You've, do, you, do, you, do you dream of them drafting you? I do. I think it'll be a, a great story, you know, if the hometown team drafts me. You know, I, I don't know how the draft's going to play out. So um, I'm just kind of standing in the moment, and we'll see what happens in, in June. All right, well, what if what if it's the Cubs? How does that feel? I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, too. You know, um, I like good baseball, and the Cubs were hot for a minute. I think they still can be. So um, I watch them a lot. Um, honestly, either, either one is following me. That is, a, that is an excellent, well-polished answer right there from Ed Howard. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Ed, thank you, man. This has been a pleasure. Wishing you well. I know it's an awkward time. Hope you and your family are staying safe, are staying sane, and uh, good luck in the draft. If it happens in June, it might happen in July, but wishing nothing but good things for you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me out. You got it. Thank you, Ed. That's Ed Howard, former Jackie Robinson West shortstop and pitcher and Mount Carmel High School senior. It is 670 to score. Chris Kamka is going to join us at about 1140 um, for Cam Connections. And um, looking forward to that very much. Leading you up until noon when the first of our Bears Sundays starts right here on 670 to score. We'll tell you more about that when we come back. Exactly what's going to happen right here at noon on the score. Keep it here. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. For all station contest rules. So top of the six, two on, one out. Josiah Crumwick grounds back into the mound, and Illinois turns a 1 6 3. Double play. Illinois holds on to win 7 5 to advance to the Little League World Series. That's a highlight from the Little League life of our last guest, Ed Howard from Jackie Robinson West. Man, I was. Um, Knee deep in the middle of, uh, of of Chicago media, of baseball media, when all that stuff went down. I remember, I think I talked to the coach from Evergreen Park, who was the whistleblower at the time. I think I talked to him on the score. It was either me and McNeil or me and Jason Goff. I think it was Jason and I at the time. Well, no, I guess it was 2014, so it was... Uh, no, it's right then. It's right then. It's hard to trace my own radio career, frankly. It's hard to even remember, as I am now sitting here, having having been back at the score since June of 2009. Um, I guess it was May of 2009. See, I, it's hard to track even that. But five years with Mac, about four months with Patrick Manley, about a year and a half with Jason Goff, about a year and three quarters with Danny Parkins. And been on hit and run for a long time, but somewhere in there, covering that Jackie Robinson West story, it was, it was emotional. It wasn't for you guys. Do you remember the, those feelings? Because it was, it was so much fun and filled with so many good stories. And then the whistleblower was, of course, correct. If the rules were broken, they should be called out on that, and there should not be super teams, um, you know, taking advantage. Of, of, of bending the rules and such, and I, I, and I completely agree with that and understand. But it also was so sad to have that moment stripped away. And here we are, and it's instructive as we talk baseball here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Baseball without baseball, Major League Baseball, non-essential in terms of creating baseball conversation. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really it's instructive to think about even when the scandals take place be it sign stealing, even when the scandals take place, uh, be it with PEDs, it all still happened. It all still happened and it all still exists. And, and nothing that happens litigation-wise or the record book-wise or criminally really fully erases the memory. It just kind of imbues it. You know, it just kind of makes it deeper, makes it more complex. And that's just the way it goes. I had driveway moments with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer in 1998. Every time Sammy Sosa came to bat, especially in that month of July, when he hit 20 home runs in the month of July. Outrageous. I remember specific moments pulling up to my house or my apartment at the time in Bucktown. Over right over there near Fullerton and Western. Medill and Levitt, to be more specific, for those who know the hood. And I remember pulling up to my to my parking spot in the back and just sitting right there in the car waiting because I needed to know what Sammy did. And at least one of those times, he homered. He did. 
all of that still happened. That excitement still happened. That joy still happened, no matter how filthy it ended up being in retrospect. Speaking of Pat and Ron, you'll hear them on the score coming up on Wednesday night. But before that, let me tell you about this. Bears Sundays on the score. Starting today, the 29th of March, you're going to hear Bears games Sundays at noon right here on the score. This is a great idea. As we work with what we have as a sports society, as a radio station, as media, the 2007 NFC Championship game is coming your way in its entirety beginning at noon. Do you guys remember what happened? It's the Bears and the Saints at Soldier Field. I don't want to give it away. But the Super Bowl was two weeks later, and the Bears were in it, okay? That might give you a clue. But how about this? This is the WBBM call, and there's going to be eight of these coming up. It's really fun. It's a good idea by Mitch Rosen and Ron Gleason and our sister station over BBM. So starting at noon, in a matter of, of moments, really, here on the score, you'll hear the 2007 NFC Championship game. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer doing the game. 39 to 14 is your final. Bears win the NFC. Some of the games that are coming up, oh my God, next week the full game, they are who we thought they were. That's the Dennis Green game from a Monday night in Arizona. Bears beat the Cardinals 24-23. That game, the audio of it in its entirety a week from today here on The Score. And there's other fun ones here. The Bears-Seahawks from the 2007 playoffs. Bears-Seahawks again from 2010. Um, And then... A few Bears-Packers games coming up, Bears-Vikings. Um, oh, man, I see that Bears-Vikings game that's coming up is going to be super fun. That's the one. You hear it on the 10th of, um, of May. And it's going to be when Devin Hester makes history on the Monday night, but also the Bears knock out Brett Favre on the, on the icy, cold outdoor field there in Minnesota while they were building the new stadium. Right, it was between the Metrodome. So what is it? University of Minnesota Stadium it was between the between the Metrodome and what is now, whatever the new stadium is called. You remember who who hit Brett Favre and knocked him out? Jordan Maley on the board. You remember you remember who hit who hit Brett Favre, and knocked Ooh. him out of football forever. I don't remember. By the way, Blanken. That's okay. By the way, Sammy Sosa had 20 homers in June of 1998. Thank you so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't remember? I, I bet a texture will come in with it soon. He's a member of Chicago Bears Media. You can see him, I believe, on local Fox TV doing pre and post. The answer is former Northwestern defensive end Corey Wooten. Corey Wooten remembered forever as the man who broke Brett Favre and knocked him out of football for good. That was that. So that game is coming up as part of our Bears Sundays. Um, we started the show asking you guys at 670-11 and at 312-644-6767 about what you're missing from baseball. And the texts and the tweets have continued to come in on that. We also talked a little bit about the agreement, the emergency agreement that MLB Players Association and the owners came to uh, two days ago and what that really means for the game. And as, of course, we don't know exactly what's going to happen towards the end of the year, we know that in terms of service time, what's going to happen now is that players are going to get 
that service time. If the season is canceled, players will be credited with the same service time they accrued in 2019. If the 2020 season starts at all, players will get the full year of service time. That is a big, big deal. So imagine, if you will, you're the Dodgers and you just pulled off this trade for Mookie Betts and maybe you didn't give up as much as some people think you should have, but you gave up Alex Verdugo, you gave up some other pieces and you've got yourself Mookie Betts. If there is no season, you lose Mookie Betts. That's what the agreement says. If there is half a season or 10 games, you lose Mookie Betts. That is that. He's a free agent. And that free agent class is going to be pretty interesting. It includes the likes of JT Real Muto, along with Mookie and some other guys. And in terms of how it affects people locally, Mark Gonzalez did a nice job in the Tribune kind of summarizing what it means for the Cubs and the Sox. Obviously, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez would be eligible to be free agents after 2021. So that full year of service time would be eaten away and the Cubs would miss out on a year of control here at the tail end of control for a lot of their players. Kyle Schwarber, Baez, and Bryant all would have one year taken off and would only have one year remaining before they hit free agency. Jose Quintana and Tyler Chatwood would become free agents Immediately, right after 2020, whatever semblance of a season there is, or if there is not a season, those guys will be free agents. John Lester could join them if the Cubs decided on a buyout for Lester at $10 million. I don't know that they would do that. Depends if Lester pitches at all, if what he looks like. But everybody knows he is towards the tail end. It depends if they want to get out from under a $10 million buyout as opposed to between 25 and 30, whatever it is. For 2021, they could get out from under that. And then some other guys that it would affect, you know, some people who are out of minor league options and pitched well at spring training, guy like Casey Sadler. He's got an opportunity to make this team because they might expand the pitching staffs. I don't know if you guys saw, but Bob Nightingale had written that uh, rosters might expand from 26, the expected 26, which was going to be new for this year, to 29, at least for the first month of a partial season. So you have more options, more things to do, um, especially pitching wise and procedurally. So that means a guy like Alec Mills might make the team. And then some of those guys at the bottom, like Ian Miller, Josh Fegley could, uh, could benefit depending on how they went to do the roster. Guy like Jason Kipnis, I think he was going to make the team. I think Kipnis was going to make this team and I think he will make this team when and if there is any portion of a 2020 season. It's just so awkward and so weird. There are a few players on the White Sox who would become free agents right away if there was no season or even if there's just a part of one. James McCann, Alex Colomay, Evan Marshall. Two very important pieces in that bullpen who, who, would, be, who would be free agents. And all three of them had agreed to one-year deals to avoid salary arbitration. All three of them would become free agents. And then there are other possible free agents. Edwin Encarnacion, he signed a one-in-one deal with the White Sox, uh, that one second one being an option. Gio Gonzalez, Steve Ciszek, each of those were one-year deals, but both have club options for 2021. And... But, you know, thankfully for the White Sox, a lot of their young guys that they've signed to those extensions, like Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Juan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Aaron Bummer, those guys, they're all here and under control for a good long while. I've, I've talked to you before about what it would mean for the White Sox, what it would mean for the Cubs. And uh, I think it would benefit 
the way it would benefit the White Sox more than it would the Cubs. That's for sure. You know, that's uh, that's that's for sure. Texture says, since no one got to a final roster, how can we determine which guys get service time and which won't if there is no season? Good question. Well, some guys have been sent to the minor leagues already. Michael Kopech sent to the minors. Yermin Mercedes sent to the minors. The Cubs sent a few guys down. So for those guys, it has been decided. But I think it has to do with the 40-man roster is, um, is your short answer. But I'm not exactly sure is the real answer. And that's okay. Top of the hour, it is Bears Sunday right here on The Score. After that, David Schuster and then CBS Radio until midnight, Les Grobstein at midnight. But before we get there, let's do Cam Connections with our guy, Chris Kamka. That's coming up next on Hit and Run right here on The Score. Tying run at second, two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series! Juan Uribe with a play, charging it, throwing it, and the White Sox celebrate their first title in 88 years. Consider that a gift. Consider that a gift to our next guest, Chris Kampka, who joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Chris Kampka joins us. It is Camp Connections as uh, a man best described by Jason Benetti this week, joins us right here on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Um, Chris, uh, you're welcome to a little 2005 World Series call, although it feels like you've been living inside of that World Series title a lot this past week. Am I right in reading your Twitter feed that way, sir? Well, yeah, sure. NBC Sports Chicago is airing uh, 2005 White Sox games. Sox Rewind, as we call it. Um, we've been doing it every day since Thursday, and that will be continuing for the next couple of months or so. So I'm kind of getting into it, doing some live tweeting during the games, kind of reliving, um, because, I mean, you know, it's 15 years ago, so it's kind of like a lot of these things I forgot about. So let's rediscover it, and it's a lot of fun doing it, especially when there's a bunch of other people um, doing it along with me. So, yeah, yeah. so a lot of 2005 White Sox lately. Yeah, well, and and it's a healthy year. That's a really fun year to be involved uh, with as you're breaking it all down. And I've been struck by several things on your Twitter feed and that have come up as you've been reliving those games. Um, But, you know, one of them was, and I think it was, that teams that went wire to wire, um, what, what was the stat? I'm sure you have it, Chris, but it was like, I know that the Tigers were on there. The, the mm-hmm. legendary 84 Tigers who started out 35 and five, but it was, I think it was teams that led the division from day one until the end and, and also went through the playoffs without losing too many games, something like that. Do you remember the stat I'm talking about? That yeah, one? So, yeah. The, the five, five teams, the wire to wire and win the world series. So it's a that's, 27 that's all, so that's all it is. That's all it is. Wire to wire and win the World Series. It's just that simple. Okay. Yeah, so it's only five. I mean, 27 Yankees, the 55 Dodgers, 84 Tigers, 90 Reds, and the 2005 White Sox. And um, That's amazing. That's amazing that it's only that those five teams. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because I'm looking at it. Wait a minute. Didn't the uh, 18 Red Sox? No, they're, like in the first week of the season, they dipped down or something to that effect or – even they didn't do it. Um, but th- the ones that have swept the World Series of those five, 
now you cut it down to three, the 27 Yankees, the 90 Reds, and the 2005 White Sox. The 90 Reds. And nobody would have gotten that, I don't think. Wow. Maybe maybe no. unless you live in Cincinnati. Yeah, and well, and that was that was an upset because that's the A's, that's the that's yeah. the Tony Larusa A's that they that they upset and swept on the strength of Billy Hatcher and the like. That that A's team to me was invincible. It was unbelievable. I mean, from like say '88 through '90, to me that that was one of the more amazing teams I've ever seen. And I've said it before, the, the one event that I've ever watched in a baseball game that just bored me more than any other was when Kirk Gibson hit that walk-off homer in 88 in one of the World Series. Because, A, the A's were invincible. Second of all, Eckersley was unbelievable. He'd even he'd yeah. get even better. And Gibson couldn't walk. So how was that going to happen? <laughs> and then eight-year-old me sitting there just floored by this event, and nothing has topped it since. Yeah. No, and that's, that's completely understandable. Um, all right, so when Jason Benetti this week referred to you as, as, as the following on Twitter, a smile wrapped in a brain, wrapped in a rainbow. Um, I, I smiled ear to ear. I, I love that. I suppose you'll take that, Chris Kampka. Um, that is, think, that's pretty beautiful. Well, it's very nice of Jason to say that. So, Jason, um, to say something like that. Uh, but I think something uh-huh. needs to be added, like dipped in cheese or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's implied. If you've ever hung out with you, I think dipped in cheese or like coated in caramel is 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 actually somehow implied. But the reason he said that is because of an iPod. Please explain this to people. Well, yeah. So after the 2005 World Series, you know, I, I wasn't in the industry yet. I was just, um, you know, just a guy doing his thing, working. And um, I bought an iPod after the World Series, and you know, so I don't name inanimate objects just randomly. I'm not, I don't do that. But when you, when you were back at that point, when you were registering the product, it asks you to name it. So I named it iPod Sednik. And I mean, thinking about it now, looking back at it, I've actually worked with Scott Putsednik and have, you know, yes. you know, talked to him, recorded podcasts with him. So it's kind of weird. Um, hey, I named an iPod after you. It's, you know, who, who says that to somebody else? But, uh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> have you told him that? Does he know this yet? I don't think I have, but I'm sure oh, somebody on. probably mentioned to it, mentioned it to him by now. Oh, um, no, I'm, it, we're, we're going to call him. We're going to get him on hit and run. We're going to, we're going to get him on with you at some point this year. And you guys can talk about iPod Sednik. You know, that that'd be nice, fun, awkward radio. No, nah, Scott's an awesome guy, though. He'd probably be, hey, that's cool. Yes. That's you know, because yeah, yes. he's uh, he's he's great. Yeah, yeah, you but, but Sednik is is an is an absolutely great guy. Um, I, I, all right, as we think about that 2005 uh, team, what are some of the things that that you've already learned along the way that you think makes that team special that perhaps people don't even realize? Well. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me is they held a lead in each of their first 37 games of the season, set a major league record. Wow. I mean, that that's wow. stunning. And they just—it was weird because if you—I think if you try to take a look at what made that team run, and you try to recreate it today, man, a lot of the guys are going to be unsuccessful doing it because they just—they just had it. It's hard to replicate what they had 
And it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it was that made him great because there's so many elements to it. You had three guys um, have the bullpen year of their lives that year, Cots, Polite, Hermanson. You had mm-hmm. a team that hit 200 home runs yet led the American League in sacrifice bunts. You had that run of starting pitching um, that continued all the way through the postseason, yet none of these guys struck out even more than, what, 200 and, 150? Let's see how many strikeouts was led that team. 154 by Contreras led the team, 154. So, I mean, they didn't have any big strikeout guys. Um, I mean, they... What was it? It was just none of the guys. I mean, Canerco had 40 homers, but there was no, no amazing. Nobody hit 300. Um, it's just it worked. Guys fit into what they were doing. Um, I mean, Scott Pesednik, take a look at him. He, yeah, he had 59 steals, but he had over 500 bats, didn't hit a home run, and had only 25 RBIs. I mean, who's the last player in the American League to do that? Well, the answer is Burt Schotten in 1918. The name might wow. sound familiar. He managed the 1947 Dodgers with Jackie. But that's how far back. And, but the thing is, yeah, he didn't hit any home runs, 25 RBIs. He had a great season because he fit what the White Sox were doing. He got on base at a good rate. He disrupted the game with stolen bases. I mean, he, was, he had a great season. And it's just one of those – it's just a team that's it's hard to see the likes of that team ever again. It's just I can't believe it even happened. Really, it's just looking back at it. I mean, wow, I can't believe they actually won the World Series back then because who saw that coming? Yeah, you know, well, Pudsednik's role and the job that he did that year, and really the job that he did in in two thousand nine, even when he came back um, for for round two, it is it's a touchstone for conversation about leadoff still in my mind because of how he functioned so well as a leadoff hitter and how it made that team go. It made the lineup make sense, you know? And and it's kind of what you're talking about, how this this sort of, and you as a guy who loves the numbers and loves the the, the hard data and the uniqueness of what makes what makes a team truly great, but you can see when the pieces fit together as personified by a leadoff hitter, it can have the effect of making the sum greater than the parts. We have seen it, and I would argue that that's a team that benefited from it that way. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the numbers don't jump off the page. You as a team, they really don't. But you know, I think they—they, they, in fact, that team. I think they scored a considerable amount of runs fewer than they had the season before. They hit quite a bit more home runs fewer. Than, than the season before, and, and I'll pull that up right now. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they went from 242 home runs down to 200. They went down from 865 runs down to 741. Uh, I mean, but the pitching was a lot better, of course. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of that stuff is just, it's you know, it's crazy. Like I said, if you tried to say, okay, let's try to reconstruct what the White Sox did, it's failed, probably. Cause, yeah, cause you and, and really you, know, know. you know it's Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't really know what exactly to pinpoint. If you had to pick one or two things, you couldn't. Yeah, you know, you know what, you know what's interesting is that, and I don't know that it would fly today. Like, how long would Scott Pudsednik last as a leadoff hitter for a big league club with an OPS of 700? 
700. You know, how long would he be allowed to stay up there and function? And we've certainly spent a lot of time thinking about how the White Sox as an organization, not anymore, but for a little while, they were they were resistant in terms of the data revolution or the information revolution. And I think it's fair to talk about that openly. They were resistant. And you wonder if like the success of certain teams like this one that didn't fit the data profile might have informed that along the way. It would make some sense to me. Yeah, I mean, there's one stat actually I pulled up last night that actually kind of fits into this conversation. So take a look at the number two slot in your order. I mean, where has that evolved? Think about it. I mean, now you're seeing every team putting their best player at number two. Um, yes. Back in the day, I mean, even 10 years ago, people were putting those slappy contact, don't strike out, move the runners over guy in the second spot. Um, the leader all time in home runs out of the two spot is Ryan Sandberg with 186. He has yeah. the all-time lead in home runs in the number two spot. Number two is Mike Trout already. Yeah. So, that, that, I mean, that's that's an indicator. Uh, and, yeah, how long would Pacific lead in the lead, stay in the leadoff spot nowadays? I don't know. I mean, he had a decent on-base percentage, 351. But, like right. you said, 700 OPS. And do you really want that guy with the 700 OPS getting the most played appearances of anybody in your team? I don't know. But then yeah, again, the, you know, there's that chemistry aspect. Is if he fits and if the machine's running with this guy mm-hmm. at the top, maybe you stick with it. And it's kind of like, yeah. you know, the Ozzie Guillen method of managing. You know, he, he really had a feel for that team. Everything yes, he, he seemed did. to work. Yeah, he had those games where it's like, okay, how is this lineup going to win? It's like the Sunday special. And they win because he knows that getting rest. Um, you know, he did the thing. He just he had the magic touch that year. Undeniable. Absolutely. Um, all right, Chris, you're the best, man. We'll talk to you next week. I love the conversations. At C. Kampka on Twitter. Camp Connections happens weekly. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Um, that is Chris Kampka. It is Matt Spiegel here wrapping up on Hit and Run on 670 to score. It's been a pleasure today. Thank you to Jordan Maley for doing a great job at the studio. Be safe, Jordan. Thanks for all you do. Thank you to Sean Anderson doing a great job producing all week long and on Sundays being active and involved on Twitter. If you missed anything today, find the podcast. The Joe Buck conversation was very unique as everyone that I have with him is. He's an interesting guy. Um, so find that if you missed it. And the Ed Howard conversation, if you're a fan of either Jackie Robinson West or Mount Carmel or just good baseball stories coming out of this town and our game. Yes, our game. Bears Sundays begins next on the score. The 2007 NFC Championship game between the Bears and the Saints is next. I'm back with you on Hit and Run next Sunday morning inside the clubhouse next Saturday before that. Keep it right here. Have a great day, everybody on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.